0: Okay. Block
1: Talk Radio Block Talk Radio the Hey everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. And Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And I personally feel that this is just such an important thing that we do in terms of collaborating together. You see, my mom had dementia for 30 years, and so more than half of my life, i 've been walking this path, and i I know what it 's like to feel isolated and alone and today we 're going to have a fabulous show, one that is really going to talk about um our faith and our beliefs and and how do we how do we live um, a lovely life with this disease because it is possible. You see, here at um, Alzheimer's Speaks, we believe it's critical to share knowledge and just have these everyday conversations that we're going to have today. We're going to talk about life with dementia and how to remove stigmas um, attached to memory loss and to help people live purpose-filled lives. And together, I know we can really make a difference. I know that we are because we were honored to be named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's according to Sharecare and Dr. Oz. And for those of you that don't know uh, what Sharecare is, it's the largest health and wellness um, website um, in the world. It's it's absolutely massive, and it was started by Dr. Oz and um, Jeff Arnold, who used to own WebMD. So ch- check out uh, ShareCare if you're not familiar with it. And please continue to share our information. Not only do we have the radio show, but we have the blog. Uh, this afternoon we'll be doing our Dementia Chats webinars, which are twice a month where you can participate and ask our experts um, who are living with dementia your questions, engaging conversation. It's amazing the insights um, that come from this and the support uh, that, we, that we can gather. Also on Alzheimer Speaks, we have a resource directory, um, which we would love for you to go ahead and mine information out of there. But you can also add information that you found helpful regarding services, products, and tools to the resource directory, and we would love you to be part of that. Um during the show, um this is a very casual kind of talk radio. We would love for you to join the conversation and you can do that in a couple of different fashions. One is you can um use the chat box and I'll be monitoring that throughout the show. We can pull in your questions and comments that way. Or two, you can always call in live to the show and that number is 714 714- Three six four, four seven, five, seven, again, that's seven one, four, three, six, four, four, seven, five, seven, now I'm hoping my voice lasts <laughs> for the two hours show. Um, I've been running around crazy for the holidays, which I'm sure most of you have trying to avoid the flu and the cold bugs that are that are going around, and I'm still pushing it at bay, but it is taking toll on my voice. Um, before I introduce our, our panel of guests today, I do want to just give a shout out to a few different organizations. Um, first of all, the Purple Angel. If you are not familiar with that, that is the new global symbol for dementia. I would highly encourage you to go to AlzheimerSpeaks.com and go to our About page. There's a tab about the Purple Angel and how easy you too can be part of of this new cause and push. We'd like to see the Purple Angel be as well recognized and embraced as the pink ribbon is for breast cancer, and there's absolutely no reason that cannot be. It costs you no money and very little time to make a huge difference. So please check out the Purple Angel on AlzheimerSpeaks.com on our About page um, if you're in the U.S., um, If you're outside the U.S., there's another uh, button on that page that will direct you uh, for information there as well. Uh, A great uh, organization many people don't know about is Alzheimer's Disease International, and that is the association of all the Alzheimer's associations around the world. So if you're looking for some information or support, um, please check out ADI. Again, that's Alzheimer's Disease International. I would be amiss if I didn't give a big shout-out to um, one of my favorite um, home health care companies, HealthStar Home Health here in Minnesota. They are making such a difference in the arena of dementia, and I am so proud to um, work with them we are um opening up a memory cafe uh, that's been in place for the last few months. Um, they're doing memory screenings. Uh, their staff have been um, certified as Alzheimer's Whisperers, um, through, and it's just, which is a really wonderful, wonderful program. So if you're in Minnesota in need of home health, check out uh, HealthStar Home Health. Another avenue uh, some people like to take is something a little bit more holistic. Um, And sometimes we don't talk about that too much. So if you go to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, there you'll find information on um, diet and exercise and meditation, which is also going to be a nice tie-in with our show today um, because this first half we're going to be talking to some of the authors and the team that put together the book, um, Newly released called Seasons of Caring Meditations for Alzheimer's and Dementia Caregivers. And it was put together by the Clergy Against Alzheimer's Network. So, um, you know, again, a nice tie-in with the Alzheimer's Research um, and Prevention Foundation. Uh, Also, some people are dealing specifically with Lewy body or frontal temporal lobe dementia. Each of those types of dementia do have their own national organization. So please check them out, along with the National Aphasia Association. And don't forget about um, the power of music. Uh, Alzheimer's Music Connect is an absolutely fabulous resource for you in terms of um music that is age appropriate. Plus it's enhanced with a pending patent technology that helps people engage longer. They have a beautiful, beautiful C D um out right now. But in addition to um having um, you know, holiday music, they have stuff for all year long and a variety of it. So please check out Alzheimer's Music Connect. Um, and then some people are looking for um, gift ideas. Again, these could be for holiday gifts or year-round. Uh, Puzzle With Me has developed puzzles that are similar uh, um, larger in size, but fewer pieces, more age-appropriate, and then the Jiminy Wickets um, adaptive croquet game, which is can be played by families or organizations. Um, they also do education with schools, hooking them up with with uh, memory care units, and um, it's really quite something to be part of if if you've never uh, taken part. So let me go ahead and get this show rolling because we've got a lot to cover here. Um again, our first half we're gonna have the uh some of the uh clergy against Alzheimer's Network with us. And then the second half will be uh from there we will roll into our open mic. Again, as always, um, you know, our audience is more than welcome to join the conversation. The first person I'm going to introduce is Dr. Steve M. Glazer, and his academics include Jewish ethics, and he is currently teaching at uh, George Washington University. He has been a doctoral fellow at the Lancaster um, Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania where he focused on issues surrounding death and dying.
2: Um, Also, he was a fellow
1: at the Lewis uh, Finkelstein Institute for Religion and Social Studies at the Jewish um, Theological Seminary in New York and a fellow in the postgraduate seminar um, in Family Emotional Process in D.C. He served as a member of the Institutional Review Board for Human Use at the University of Alabama for over um, 12 years. Um, Dr. Glazer, who we're going to refer to as Steve because we've decided we're gonna go casual and um, feel a little bit more intimate in our conversations. Um, So Steve was ordained and received his Doctor of Hebrew Letters from the Hebrew um, Union College and the Jewish Institute of Religion. And in 1996, He was awarded um, the Honorary Doctor of Divinity um, degree from the seminary. And for many years, he's just, you know, dedicated so many years of service to the Jewish community. So welcome, Steve. How are you today?
2: Thank you very much. I'm very good, Lori. Thank you very much for having us. I'm delighted to be here.
1: I'm glad to have you. Let me go ahead and pull in the next person here. Um, The next person I want to introduce is um, Dr. Daniel C. Potts, and he is a very well-known in the Alzheimer's and dementia uh, community. He's a neurologist, an author, an educator. Um, and just a downright champion for uh, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias along with her caregivers. As a fellow of the American Academy of Neurology, he was chosen by them in 2008 as their advocate um, of the year. He has also been uh, um, designated an architect of change by the well-known Maria Shriver, Dr. Potts and his wife Ellen uh, wrote a a book which many of you might be familiar with called A Pocket Guide for the Alzheimer's Caregiver. And um, you can get that through his his website there. Uh, And he is just... he's just a joy to have on um we're going to refer to him as danny today on the show and he is uh he's just so incredible in terms of his movement and his story um his own personal story with his father which hopefully we'll touch on just a little bit um here but i'm going to go ahead and let me go ahead and pull danny in how are you doing today danny
3: Laura, I'm doing great. Good morning, and thank you for letting us be on the show with you again. It's a joy.
1: Well, appreciate all you're doing. You know, um, your cognitive dynamics is is just um, absolutely incredible in the ways that it's helping people, and so we're thrilled to have you have you with us today. I'll go it's ahead. It's a pleasure and- to be here. And introduce our our next person um, is uh Dr. Richard Morgan, who is with us, and he is a retired pastoral counselor and author he is the uh is a resident of Redstone Highlands in pittsburgh um, which I I would have loved to have met him. I was just out there this fall where he facilitates Alzheimer's support groups and does pastoral care for persons with dementia. And he's also a hospice uh, volunteer. He has authored um, 19 books. And needless to say, I won't go into the titles of all of them, But one of his books uh, won the Best Book Award in 2014 for spirituality, and that was called The Pilgrimage. In 2013, the Presbyterian Older Adult Ministry named uh, Richard the winner of the Legacy Award for his service to older adults. So, welcome, Richard. How are you today?
0: I'm fine, Lori. It's just a joy to be on this program. I'm just home from uh, blood work and 18 hours of fasting, so I hope my voice will hold out, too. But I'm glad to be here.
1: <laughs> well, we'll say a prayer for you and me that we get through the show here. Okay. Okay. Right, right. Well, we've got one more to introduce here, and then we'll we'll get into our, our line of questions here. Um, The next person that we are honored to have with us today is Linda Everman, and um, many in our audience are familiar with Linda as well. She has spent most of her adult life as a caregiver, first for her dad, um, who in 1994 showed symptoms of vascular dementia, and then for her own husband, who was diagnosed with MCI in 1997 and who later passed away in um, 2012. She is a, a fellow advocate with Kathy uh, Siggins, who have mounted this national campaign for the semi-postal stamp to raise funds for Alzheimer's disease research. And she has just worked, her and Kathy have both worked just tirelessly on this Linda is also a board member of Beating Alzheimer's by Embracing Science, uh, which is known as BABES, and she is a founding member of Women Against Alzheimer's and has recently now served on the Clergy Against Alzheimer's Network. She is a retired resource, um, human resource professional from the University of California, and she is determined... Change the trajectory trajectory of um, Alzheimer's disease through public policy and um, you know being able to increase funding and biomedical research, so welcome, Linda. How are you doing today?
4: Well, thank you so much, Lori. and one of the things that you failed to mention is that you and I share the history of being founding members of Activists Against Alzheimer's. So I thank you for your work, and thank you for having us here today.
1: Well, I'm I'm really thrilled to have you all with us. Um, I just think that this is going to be an absolutely fabulous, fabulous show, and uh, we've got so much to cover. I'm also going to just introduce uh, Harry Urban really quickly here. Um, Harry, um, Harry Urban is the founder of forget-me-not, um, a close group on Facebook, uh, Harry has, is diagnosed with dementia, and he's just a wonderful voice that always adds so much to the conversation. So welcome, Harry. How are you today?
5: I'm fine, and uh, thank you for having me with this great panel.
1: Well, good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and kind of keep everybody muted, and I'm going to pull you in as we go here, and I'm going to start with Linda. Um Linda, can you give our audience some background on Us Against Alzheimer's and the Clergy Network um, because not everybody is familiar with the, with the organization.
4: Well, okay, thank you, Lori. Um, Well, as you and I know, since we were part of the um, activist against Alzheimer's Network, um, Us Against Alzheimer's was founded in 2010 by George and Trish Bradenberg, and um, they have a very bold but doable goal to stop Alzheimer's by 2020. And I think that's what pulled both you and I into the movement. Um, George likes to describe us against Alzheimer's as engaged and enraged. And um, I think what I would say about that is um, there's just been too much suffering by too many for far too long and those of us who have experienced it know that we can do so much better. So um, so I, I started, I mean, for many, many years, as you know, I was a silent caregiver, and it took a lot of prodding to get me to speak out um, for lots of reasons that I won't go into here. But once I became aware of US Against Alzheimer's, um, it resonated so much with me that I went on to um, work very closely with them. And, um, and, And my friend and board member, Jamie Tyrone of Beating Alzheimer's by Embracing Science, invited me to be a founder of Women Against Alzheimer's. So sometime by the end of 2013, I became convinced that as in the HIV, AIDS, and civil rights movements before us that what we really needed was to add the powerful, compassionate, and compelling voices of the clergy leaders and many faith traditions and men of, and women of faith to formally advocate for a cure. So um, so that's how Clergy Against Alzheimer's uh, began. And one of the things that I'm very proud of and, and happy about with the establishment of the Clergy Against Alzheimer's Network is that it caused us to expand our mission. So um, not just to work together to stop Alzheimer's by 2020, but to promote dignity, compassionate care, and quality of life for individuals with Alzheimer's and related dementias, and to provide support for families, friends, and caregivers. And as the show goes on today, we'll talk so much about that first component of our mission statement. So. Yeah, so that's how it started. And um, so we had Clergy Against Alzheimer's. Um, uh, Associate Director Jenny Bigger said to me um, (laughs) in January of this year, um, do you think you can get six to ten founders? And um, when we launched our network, um, we have over 120 founders. So... um, (laughs) and then we and then we turned our attention to seasons of caring so um the individuals on your program today are um three of our founders, and without them, we would not be where where we are today so um Steve, Richard, and Danny have provided many 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 hours of advice and work and um and inspiration. So, um, and it was Danny's idea to um, to write the book of meditations. so So I spoke with Jenny in January. Um, we had our first conference call um, in I think May with our founders. In June, Danny said something like, "Here's something to think about." And <laughs> I am telling you, that was maybe on a Thursday or Friday by Monday morning. We had a project with an outline, we had a book title, and we had a strategy for implementation. And um, I basically called George Bradenberg and said, you know, I'm writing to the founders today. I hope this is okay with you. And so five months later, we have Seasons of Caring.
1: Wow, that's incredible. I mean, because that it takes a long time typically to put a book together and you guys just cranked through it and and spit it out. But, you know, when stuff like that happens um, to me that says there's really a great, great need for that. So, um, and that, that everything was just lining up, you know, to get, to get that um, project off and launched because the need was so, so strong out there. So, Wonderful. Well thank you, Linda. I'm gonna go ahead and um call Danny in here next. Um Danny, can you um can you tell us what caused you to be part of this movement? What what was the attraction for you?
3: Um, Lori, I can um and and it's it it's it's almost hard to describe for me because it it, it happened in just a uh an incredibly sweeping and powerful way. But it's about it's about relationships, really, is what it's about. You know, as a background, just briefly, uh, you know, my my, as you know, my dad had Alzheimer's, died in 2007, and Dad, a a rural country sawmiller from 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 Alabama, uh, with as far as we knew, no artistic talent. Because somebody cared enough to extend Dad uh, the kind of care that we advocate. Uh, which is which is very affirming, uh, life-affirming, uh, person-directed, and sees the person behind the disease as someone who is very much still present with us. Dad was able to discover gifts that we didn't know he had. One of those was the gift of making art. And so, as you know, Dad created over 100 watercolors over four years, just amazing pieces that told his life story at a time when he could no longer share that with us. Um, it got a hold of me in such a way that I was uh, incredibly moved. Became a writer myself because of that, and went on the trail to advocate for uh, such affirming care. Um, so the science then blended with the sort of the the innate spiritual and the very personal story, and began to shape my life in a direction uh, that has taken me to where I am now. That a lot of that though was very dependent upon relationships that were fostered along the way people reaching out to me people that I've met you and the exposure you've given us others all across the country and uh Linda Everman I, I don't really remember how I met Linda I met I met her through um on online activity and and I think Linda reached out to me first and we we would have dialogue um and uh, at some point, she, she began to tell me about the Clergy Against Alzheimer's Movement. Uh, I had been uh, uh, I had been following USA or uh, Us Against Alzheimer's for some time as well. Melinda reached out and began to tell me about this. I thought it was a great idea, but of course, I felt myself too busy to be <laughs> to really participate. And of course, it was clergy also. But she told me she said we really need a, a medical advisor for the group. Would you consider? Being a part, and I thought about it, considered it, prayed about it, and finally said yes now, seasons of caring or the idea for seasons of caring i had I had realized for a long time that there needed to be uh, a book of meditations or a collection of meditations for caregivers. There are some things out there, but I thought collectively there's just not there's just not much. And as Linda Everman said, and I don't remember exact her exact quote at the end of all of this once the book was published, she said, we've brought God into the discussion about caring for those with Alzheimer's and about dealing with Alzheimer's. I thought that was very powerful. God was there all the time, but we acknowledged God's presence there, and we have tried to direct others to that very real presence in the midst of this condition and the suffering associated with it. And um, I had spoken with Laura Pinnell, Dr. Pinnell is a gerontologist in uh, North Mississippi, uh, about writing a book for caregiver devotionals. And we had started some some things, some, some writings on that, but we didn't have the time or the connections with people that could write that to actually do it. Lo and behold, here comes Linda Everman. I said yes to her. Uh, It's hard to say no to Linda Everman, by the way, but I said (laughs) yes to her. uh, And then I began to say, you know what, here is this wonderful collection of clergy, faith leaders from across this country, caregivers. Why not let's have them write their stories, write their meditations, and let's produce this book in that way. So it was a leading in a direction. There we go. And and once we set off to do it, Lori, here it just came. It just came. And thankfully, I was so honored and our family was so honored, they asked us, the editors that is, to include Dad's art and story in the book, which we have done. And uh, we, we can't just describe how uh, uh, that makes our family feel. And it would make my dad Incredibly honored and happy to know that his art is present in this book, and so that's kind of kind of how it came about from our from my standpoint.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that, Danny. Um, Steve, I'm going to pull you in next, and if you can um, if you can tell us what drew you into this writing
2: project as well. I am the newcomer, Laurie. Mm -hmm. Uh, My co-editors are very experienced Alzheimer's advocates, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. (laughs) Um, I had recently recently retired after 43 years in the pulpit and had the very good sense to share an idea that I had about uh, starting a consulting company working with seniors and their families on some of the very complicated issues that they'll be facing. And I had that conversation with uh, a, a congregate of mine whose name is Ian Kramer, who's the executive director of the LEAD Coalition. And shortly thereafter, I think Linda approached him to ask if he knew any clergy people who might be interested in joining a brand new organization and my name popped up. So I am, in in many respects, the the, the outsider. I agree with everything that's been said in terms of this project coming together so amazingly smoothly. Uh, We each had connections, different types of connections, that we reached out to in this process. And uh, our respective connections responded and replied quickly, eagerly, and on time, which I think underscores, again, something that you mentioned, the tremendous need Mm -hmm. for a book like this.
1: Yep. Wonderful. Well, good. Let me go ahead. Thank you for, for sharing, um, Steve. I'm going to go ahead and um, pull Richard in, and uh, I think it's just nice to kind of get a little background uh, from from everybody. Richard, what attracted you to be part of this project?
0: Well, Lori, um, I've been involved with, with people with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia for 50 years, My mother died in 1965 from vascular dementia, and that just, you know, propelled me into a kind of ministry in those days that was somewhat unique. Then my sister also died with vascular dementia. So those two family issues are really the major reason I'm involved. Then as a clergy person, and by the way, I'm the oldest, not the wisest. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 86. I, 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 like Danny Potts and Linda, felt we needed meditations that had a spiritual value. And I, and I bear witness to the fact that the Spirit of God in all religious faiths has been involved in this book. It's been an incredible experience. Uh, so I've been involved. I facilitate Alzheimer's support groups. Uh, I do counseling with people with dementia. So I've been highly involved ever since, uh, ever since 1965. Wonderful.: now, let me say, if I can say a word uh, <clears throat> about the book, it is unique. It's what I call in the Latin, sui generis, one of a kind. Now, I've mm-hmm. written 19 books. I wrote one on with Jane Tebow on dementia, No Act of Love is Ever Wasted, Spirituality for uh, Caring for People with Alzheimer's. But this book is so unique in that it represents 17 religions in the book. And what that says to the public is we may have our differences in terms of religious truths and values, but we're all united in any faith against Alzheimer's and trying to find the cure and offering compassionate care. I mean, that's the uniqueness of the book, that it represents so many different caregivers coming from different religious persuasion, 17 faith editions in the seventy two meditations. And that's why, although I've you know been fortunate to write quite a few books, I love this book because it represents not only a dream, you know, the ancient proverbs put, when there is no vision the people perish. Well, mm-hmm. Danny Potts had the vision. And we would have perished without that vision for this book. And I am amazed already uh, I've used the book in my Alzheimer's support group with great results. I think the future of this book is, is incredible, and it, we just don't know what it's gonna, what's going to happen
1: well that is that is exciting um to see uh the different religions come together right. uh you know to join to join the cause um that's absolutely fabulous so thank you i'm going to i'm right. going to just ask um harry urban here well, harry what do you think about 17 different religions what does that mean to you as a person living with alzheimer's well
5: you have to realize uh boy i I see through the eyes of a person with dementia. I live with the people with dementia. Um, And the question always comes up that um, are people abandoning the church or is is the church abandoning us? And it it breaks my heart that that, um, we may not be able to be active members of the church, but that doesn't mean that we haven't lost our faith. But I I feel this overwhelming uh concern that that we are being neglected by the church. And I know there's I know there's wonderful programs out there, but from the people I talk to locally and uh one of the complaints are that that um, They never hear from the church, you know, they never get communion, they they never get a visit from the church or anything like that. And I would really, really like to see that change because just because we have some form of dementia, we
1: have not lost our faith, and we still need the guidance. Mm Hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Harry. I think that that's a really um, good point, and, I, you know, I believe that that is part of the whole purpose of this group. Um, Linda, would you not agree this is kind of a part of the purpose of this group, is to to let people know that people with dementia, you know, still have a, a faithful journey um, during the disease, as well as supporting uh, the
4: caregivers? Well, it, it definitely is. I mean, that's very central to, to this. And um, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about is, which we really, because we've been focusing on seasons, we haven't focused so much on our website, but our website Mm -hmm. um, has many resources for clergy. Um, It has, um, it starts out with 10 steps, you know, that faith-based communities can do in order to um, provide ministry to those with dementia and to their families. We also have uh, posted on our website sermons, essays, books, um, many, many, many resources. And they continue to, um, the website continues to be expanded in that manner. But you know, Lori, let's pull in Dr. Morgan here. He has so much experience with that. And one of the things that we um, hope to do as we grow our network is to reach down into the congregations of all of the major faiths, all of the faiths in the U.S., and get the congregations involved in such things as Stevens Ministries and, and other activities where um, at the local level we are not neglecting those with dementia or their families. But Dr. Morgan um, can certainly address this because he spent the last um, 60, 50, 60 years um, working on this and being a friend to all with dementia.
1: Okay. So, Richard, I've just um, uh, put your mic live. Do you want to speak to that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think uh, uh, this remains a major task for congregations and clergy. One of my beliefs, I hope it's true, is that until this disease touches you with your family or close friends, you don't get involved. And I continually uh, seeking to involve clergy, for instance, offering respite groups for caregivers in their con- in their churches. So some do that, but very few. But I think we have a real mission here, and the book will help. But I'm also concerned that once we are through with with the marketing process of the book, we get back to recruiting more clergy, because they are right at the main they're in the mainstream of what's going on in the church, and they need. Information, as Linda said, it's a lot available, but they, they need to, to see this as a call, as some of us have who are clergy. It's, it's, still, it's still an unfulfilled mission, believe me.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've been um, speaking around the country and the topic of of religion and dementia is really a hot button out there right now. And so I think your book is just perfect timing because people are looking for guidance. And I mean, I've heard from years from people that, you know, they've had to pull out of church because they weren't accepted anymore. They didn't fit in. They were embarrassed. Um, right. They're really they didn't feel there was a place and um you know we have to learn to be graceful with this so one of my my favorite uh situations with my own mom happened to take place actually at a wedding and um my mom went up for communion and it was a it was a very large um very large wedding and so they had five stations for communion and my mom went from one to another to another to another <laughs> Right. and, um, it was I mean, it, but you know she did it, and and you know the bride and the groom, and everyone you know knew mom had dementia, and everyone just kind of let her do her thing on her way back, she was shaking hands and thanking people for coming, and um, you know proud as proud as could be, and but it was it was just in a really loving supporting arena where everybody was was graceful with that moment and you know it could have been, it could have been a horrible disaster but it was just a simple thing to to let you know go with the flow and wasn't harming anybody or you know people even talking about um simple things like support groups you know and i've heard people say well you know we have a support group and it's down in the basement and nobody even knows yeah. it's it's happening and i i said you know it's wonderful you're having that support group but you know, the churches have to understand people shouldn't have to hide in the basement, you know. And, and, the, and if you're thinking that they're uncomfortable, it's because they don't feel accepted, you know. And, and that's the thing that we have to change. And I think that's what your book is going to do for people is really um, help them breathe easier and let them realize that dementia is just one of many things that we have to deal with in life that doesn't fit in that perfect little box everyone's trying to smash us into right. all the time. And that we don't have control and, and that we have to see the beauty in in everyone, in everything and, and really, you know, walk our talk and, and it's hard, you know, budgets are stretched and um, you know, congregations I'm I'm sure all over are changing and you know, our world isn't um isn't as in sync with helping others as it is helping themselves first and you know being so fast paced and I, I, all of those factors come into play in in how we care but I, I but i think the church will be a brilliant um place to um illuminate that light and ease that pain and and pull in the support um for it now you know with this book cuz it's <clears throat> it's first of all i have to say it's it's beautifully done i love that it's um you know not your your basic small little book um you, you can read the print the titles are are, are grabbing your attention, um, but you have different segments kind of with the book. Can you tell people how you how you would see them using the book? For you know, maybe from a, a church aspect or a religious aspect um, to an individual um, care partner, or maybe somebody even with with early onset. How would you see them using this book, Richard?
0: Well, I'm, we're already using it uh, mm-hmm. in support groups. I facilitate two Alzheimer's support group, and I'm very blessed that our vice president uh, caught the vision and has purchased 80 copies for the two support groups and also for campus managers. And the exciting news is in January, uh, I and my co-facilitator of the, uh, the Alzheimer's support group as volunteers will do staff training using mm-hmm. the book with CNAs, nurses, and and even maintenance people and housekeeping people. So that's going to be exciting to see you know, that book used in that way. But somehow, as you said earlier, Laurie, we've got to get it into the churches. And mm-hmm. th- that's, that's a challenge. The best way, of course, is in groups, not just support groups, but in adult groups. Let them study the book and learn more about what Alzheimer's and other dimensions is, are. So we mm-hmm. have a lot to do in that area. But in this community where I live, I've been very blessed with, with the uh, whole corporation adopting the book and, and using it in many different ways
1: you know this might be um and with with your permission if you guys are interested one of the ways to you know cuz a lot of times the easiest way in is through the common hand you know right um and and i'm just thinking with uh you know i've got a page on on our website alzheimers speaks specifically for the memory cafes and i can see a lot of people really wanting to tap into this um could really give them give them strength And, um, you know, our our people in our memory cafes are such huge advocates and and they sprawl off in so many directions. So if you guys are interested, I would love to um love to be able to put a link on that page as a specific resource over and above just the regular resource directory to try to get some attention um for that. And um I could actually even put this on the the homepage of the uh of Alzheimer Speaks too if you guys are interested, but I'll let you get back to me on that. So that you guys can can talk about that, but um, you know I would love to be able to help help promote this mm. and um, and get this uh, get this into the hands of so many who who need this um, i'm going to go ahead and um I think i'm going to go ahead and pull in Steve here, um, Steve, what are your thoughts in terms of you know this book um you know crossing um 17 religions do you think that that's going to help the public embrace um picking it up just a little bit easier because it's not it's it's not just one religion but it's kind of big big picture and um showing the commonalities um in the need you know cross all religions
2: absolutely i just want to make one preliminary comment Uh, responding to Harry's comment about Mm -hmm. churches and religious institutions not serving Alzheimer's patients and and even their families adequately. Um, We've addressed several aspects of that, but one aspect we haven't talked about is the fact that large numbers of clergy people are themselves uncomfortable interacting Mm -hmm. with Alzheimer's patients. So consciously or unconsciously, they wind up underserving these people. And that's a challenge that I think we all have to deal with, as well as seminaries around the country, to increase yeah. the, the, the comfort level of clergy people in dealing with these kind of individuals. Can
1: well, you go think back to your... You know, hmm?
2: Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going I to, was to go back and address to... your...
1: <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be quiet. I promise. <laughs> Let me address your question,
2: your direct question to me. Uh, one of the unique aspects of Alzheimer's is that the, the 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 pain and challenge of the disease crosses all religious traditions, regardless of the differences in our theologies, which Richard alluded to earlier. This is something that affects everyone. And we wanted to show that by reaching out to as many different faith traditions as we possibly could and to include them speaking in their own voices. Uh, You will have noticed that these are are very different types of meditations. As a matter of fact, we were... uh, not surprised to see that the word meditation means different things in different faith communities. Mm-hmm. What some faith communities consider a meditation, and our our outline is quite different than several of the pieces in this, with our, which are meditations in the Eastern mm-hmm. religion sense of the word to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, also, on a personal level, Laurie, I found that Some of the meditations that speak to me most strongly are not from my own faith tradition, but are from other faith traditions. I find it fairly easy to get the universal message of hope, comfort, love, and encouragement from meditations, whether they're from my Jewish tradition or any other traditions.
1: well and i think that that's absolutely beautiful and you know sometimes we're so afraid of you know a, an alternative way and then when we when we open ourselves we see the beauty in it i think that's one of the the things that is really cool about this book is you know, maybe it can help um, lessen the the stereotypes that that go from religion to religion because there are so many commonalities, um, you know, amongst all of them, and we can get support and um, and comfort um, by sharing them, and, and maybe maybe. You know, you'll want to modify them a little bit. I mean, it, it, to to meet your needs even even more so, and I think that's fine. You know, it's yep. um, but it's being open. It's being and open let to... Let me just
2: add also that uh, addressing the question that we just talked about in terms of usage mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with support groups, et cetera, et cetera, I got an email from someone who keeps the book, by his nightstand and reads one meditation just before he goes to sleep every night. Mhm. As a final thought for the day, which I think is kind of a something that I never thought of as a very appropriate way to use this book.
1: Oh, I think what a ni- what a nice way to bring some calm and peace Um, At the end of the day, I I can see starting off and and ending with it and and grabbing it in the middle of the day, too, (laughs) if you need it, you know, um, to be able to have that resource. Now, we do have a caller on the line. Um, We've got somebody from a 951 number. Um, 951, you are live and on the air. Do you want to introduce yourself and, and say hello?
6: Good morning, Lori. This is Rich, Alzheimer's Advocate.
1: Oh, hi, Rich. How are you doing? Did you have a question or a comment for our group?
6: Actually, I'll share what I went through with my wife, Debbie, as uh, we used to go to First Christian Church in Riverside, and we'd gone there for quite a while, and the congregation seemed to be uncomfortable or not knowing how to approach Debbie, which you know pretty much goes for how it, the world views this disease. You just don't know what to say. And I just wanna emphasize to the churches out there that if you can understand this disease and know to communicate with or know how to communicate with the person who has it, it makes those stages a little bit easier because going to church is very important for people with Alzheimer's. There were times when Debbie just sat there and I could see her lip the words to the songs and it just Meant a lot to me, and it just to one point, Lori, where I had Debbie taken out of the room to go to the children's area and spoke to the congregation and just said, you know, look, this, you know, she's not contagious, and I just want to want to emphasize the importance of getting a congregation together to understand that um, communicating with that person is so vital.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Did was was the church? How, how did they receive that when you when you address that with them?
6: It's actually funny you mention that in a way because I got a lot of negative feedback from people on that. Like I was telling them what to do. So, and I do know the Alzheimer's Association itself has a printout. I don't know exactly what link you would go to on um, how congregations can speak with people with Alzheimer's. So I would encourage anybody to do that. But I always looked at things, Lori, through her eyes, and I could see the look on her face when they would talk solely to me and ignore her. You know, there was that look of, like, she feels she doesn't even exist.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think
6: as a caregiver, if you can put yourself in their shoes, you don't mind stepping out of the box to try to make it a little bit better for the person you really love. So some negative feedback because people truly think they're doing their best, but, you know, they just, it, it's a, such a tragic disease and people don't know how to address it. And, again, that falls upon general awareness in America and making this disease more well-known, as you know.
1: Yep, definitely. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Rich. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Have a good <clears throat> <Christmas, throat> You too, thank you. I'm gonna go ahead and um pull Danny in <laughs> excuse me, here goes my voice. Um Danny, any response um that you have to Rich's comment at all?
3: Lori, uh I'm I'm incredibly moved at hearing Rich's words because I was sitting here thinking as I was listening to the conversation. I I think we are touching on in this conversation and what Rich has brought up and what the others have discussed, some of the core issues of not only what it means to be an Alzheimer's advocate, not only what it means to be a caregiver, what it means to be suffering with Alzheimer's or other dementias, but what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a resident of this universe, what it means to bear forth the very, very essential and most important elements of being a person to the rest of this world. I mean, we are touching on some big issues, and it's almost overwhelming to be able to, d- to try to discuss these. So let me bring it back down to earth and say that I really, really appreciate those comments that Rich made. We've been in the same circumstance when we, uh, when we um, would take Dad to um, faith-based activities. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm not pointing a finger at anyone, but I know myself that um, churches and, and religious groups sometimes don't do a very good job of of actually getting out and taking care of the huddled masses because to do that, we're going to have to assume and identify with our own vulnerability. We, have, we are going to have to reach in and, as St. Francis so beautifully said, hug the leper within or something like that. So we, we're going to have to actually... Become vulnerable and consider ourselves as one among them to be able to to uh, to get in there and make a difference. Now we, I think, there are some elements that are absolutely essential if we're going to be able to take care of people and 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 share care with with people who who have Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. And the most important thing I think is that we have to believe that they are still in every way the absolutely essential person that they've always been. In every way, they are still there. They still have an innate worth and a dignity that cannot even be described in human words. We have to believe that at our depth to be able to enter into a relationship with them and care for them. We've got to care enough to do that. The second thing is that we've got to be willing to enter their world because they can't necessarily come back to ours. So we're going to have to lay aside expectations. We're going to have to change our paradigm. And we're going to have to learn how to speak their language, which they can still speak. we just got to learn how to listen. We've got to know how to be present with them. We've got to be willing to be taught by them because caregiving is not really caregiving. It is also care receiving, and it is a very reciprocal thing. So we have got to... Uh, we've got to remove some of the shame. My, my dad, I think, was ashamed of some of the capabilities that he'd lost. And I think that people who tried to interact with him were somewhat ashamed as well. I think we can, unfortunately, um, look at our religious gatherings sometime as more of, of of a social gathering in which we have to keep our um, social uh, facade up um, and 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 I, I'm just I'm pointing a finger at myself too. Now, I'm not I'm I'm not accusing, but I think we've got to come down out of that and be able to reach out. And I want to say one other thing, and that is that we, we're talking about education as being very important. Um, I think that we have got to educate. We've got to do a better job of educating the clergy and people who are giving care in this country. Um, about the disease processes, um, about what they do and do not affect, about how to communicate with people, about how to reach in and pull uh, what is inside out, and about how to listen. And I'll finish with this. Steve Glazer shared uh, with us this morning a beautiful op-ed that's in the New York Times today by David Brooks. It's called The Subtle Sensations of Faith. And in that op-ed, Brooks talks about um, really a spiritual intentionality. Those of us who have, with opened eyes and open hearts, witnessed the mystery, whether it be a sunset, whether it be spending time with a dying loved one, whether it be seeing a newborn baby, or whether it be seeing an incredible emergence of art from someone with Alzheimer's, we have to take that; those moments And with a spiritual intentionality, begin to tell the world about that. And we have to take it to the road. We have to take it to the fringes. And we have to take it to those who are sick and who need it. And in so doing, we share our faith. We also have to do that with teaching empathy to young people about people that have these diseases. We've got to get to Preschoolers, we got to get to kids in elementary school. We got to get to kids in high school, middle school, and college and graduate school, and teach folks how to have empathy, cultivate empathy through understanding these disease processes and the fact that people are there, so that we can have our next generations of people go out with a different attitude, a different mindset, and remove the stigma about this disease. So I thank all of you for for. Really feeding the thought process that I have right now about this. This is an important discussion, not only about dementia, but also about what it means to be alive in 2015 in this universe. So, Lori, thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you.
3: I very much appreciate it. Linda, I'm going
1: to go ahead and and, um, pull you in here because we're just getting to the top of the hour here. Is there anything that you want to add? I know um, we probably could talk for another couple of hours um, on this topic, but I want to be respectful of of your time, and also let everyone know that they're more than um, able to stay on with us if they'd like, because uh, we are just going into open mic. Um, but I kind of want to wrap up this topic, and then we can continue if anybody wants to stay on. We can we can do that. But well, a- um, mm-hmm.
4: yes, thank you so much. And and I think Danny said it so um, passionately and so eloquently. One of our our goals and our mission is to bring Alzheimer's out of the shadows, to reduce the stigma that is associated, to um, overcome the fear of talking about it, to advocate that while the mind may forget, the heart remembers and that the person is always there despite what you're witnessing, and that there are always ways to reach your loved ones. And it's often through expressive arts. So um, what, what our network um, which are clergy, laity, organizations, um, men and women of faith, whatever your faith is, um, our, our message to them is that your faith can inform you. It can provide a deeper understanding and comfort. And one of our um, proverbs that is on our website that I think really um, characterizes what we are about is, when you pray, move your feet. And that's what we intend to do with Clergy Against Alzheimer's. So um, we're so grateful that you brought us into the national conversation. And we so look forward to 2015 and what we can accomplish together. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Linda. Uh, Very much appreciate having you on this show. Um, Rich, is there anything that you would – I'm sorry. I'm I'm saying this wrong. Got a cold. Richard, is there anything else you would like to add?
0: Yes, I would. Uh, Just that Danny Potts hear this. I took the book into our memory care unit where everyone there has dementia or most Alzheimer's. And the only thing they responded to, Danny, was your father's art. They got into the art, believe me, and talked about the fence and talked about the ship with the flowers. See, isn't that powerful? And secondly, I always end worship with my folks up in the memory care with the Sanskrit words, Namaste, the spirit in me greets the spirit in you, because the soul is always there. We just can get to it. And, Danny, your father's art accomplished that. And lastly, I believe in the power of the sense of humor. We're not laughing at people. We're laughing with them. Last year, we had a minister at chapel who went on for 30, 40 minutes and never said anything about Christmas. It was the Christmas season. And one of the ladies with Alzheimer's blurted out, "Hark, the herald angels sing. Remember that. <laughs> and I felt that she was more in touch, her soul, with Christmas than the minister was. I'll never forget that. <laughs> it's
1: a oh, great story. story. Great, great story. Thank you so much for being part of the sure. show, Richard. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> Steve, I'm going to ask you if there's um, any anything else you would like to add.
2: Um, I think that my colleagues have said it beautifully and wonderfully.
1: Okay. Uh, I just Wonderful. like to thank
2: you, Lori, and uh, wish a happy holiday season to everyone.
1: Okay, great, thank you. And Danny, I'm going to come back to you one more time here. <clears throat> any anything else that you would like to add?
3: No, Lori, just a word of thanks to you for having us on and for um, for these wonderful editors that I've had the opportunity to work with. What an esteemed group. I'm, I'm just thankful they let me tag along with them and I've learned so much from them.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Now, in order to reach um, this wonderful group, there are links on the radio page, but also if you go to Alzheimer's Speaks um, to our blog, you'll get more information. Uh, Rabbi, Steve Glazer, you can uh, reach him at GlazerConsulting.com That's G-A-L-Z-E-R Consulting.com Dr. Daniel Potts um you can uh reach him if you Google um cognitive dynamics. Um he is the founder and president. He's also the medical director of dementia dynamics. Um but if you if you Google his name it'll pop up all over the place as well. Um and then Dr. Richard Morgan. You can go to his site, Richard Morgan Author. Dot com. And Morgan is M-O-R-G-A-N. And um, last but not least is uh, Linda Everman. Um, you can go to her Facebook community, Help Stamp Out Alzheimer's. That's Help Stamp Out Alzheimer's. And then, of course, for the book, you can go to Seasons of Caring, um, their homepage. Again, the link is there. It's also listed on, on Amazon, and I do have uh, I do have more details on the blog because the, the radio page is just a little bit more limited. but I, I thank everyone for being part of the, the program today. I think it was a very, very interesting. Again, the book is called Seasons of Caring: Meditations for Alzheimer's and Dementia Caregivers by Clergy Against Alzheimer's Network. It's absolutely fabulous. Um, I think you will find this extremely beneficial. And again, um, maybe Linda, if you can get back to me if you would like me to put this on um the website um in a couple of different locations, I would be more than glad to do that. You can just shoot me an email. We can we can discuss that. For anyone who would like to stay on this, you're more than welcome to do that because we are gonna roll into um we are going to go ahead and roll into open mic here shortly. I'm going to play a song from the holiday CD from Alzheimer's uh, Music Connect called Memories and the Songs in Spirit of Christmas. Um, and I think we're going to go with I Saw Mama City, see, uh, Kissing Santa I Claus. I Mommy kissing Santa Claus underneath the mistletoe. See me creep down the stairs to have a pee. She thought that
2: I was tucked up in my bed all fast asleep. Well I saw mommy tickle Santa Claus. Well uh
1: Before we go into open mic, I'm just going to do a couple of highlights uh, for the mid-show. Our last radio show, we had Lisa Barron on with the Memory Care Home Solutions, which was an absolutely incredible show, Um, something that she is doing. I would love to see go national. Um, But go back and listen to that. All the shows are archived, Um, but they are helping so many families Live better in their home and provide just a ton of free resources. And then we also had Doctor Ben Mast um, on with us in his book called "The Second Forgetting," uh, which again was a religious-based uh, book as well and uh, very well done. Our next show uh, will be next week and um, on Tuesday, and that's just going to be totally open mic at this point. Our next Dementia Chats is going to be this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, that's 2 Central. One Mountain Time and Noon Pacific Time. Anybody uh, can go ahead and join Dementia Chats. I'll be pushing something out on the blog a little bit later today and on Facebook uh, <clears throat> for that. But we would love to have you join us. That's where you again you can bring your questions or comments and talk uh, talk with our experts that have dementia. On the blog, there were a couple of um, of uh, posts. One was on the 18th called Wandering the Gift, and that was a poem uh, by one of our readers um, and followers uh, by the name of Michelle, and she wrote that about her grandma. There was another uh, post I did on the 17th that was another movie um, that is just released on dementia. It was only in New York and California, but it's called um, Do You Know What My Name Is? Uh, and I'm finding it really interesting, all of the fabulous uh, shows that are coming out. You know, we've had a live inside with the iPods, we've had the Glenn Campbell movie, <clears throat> now, still, Alice is. Is coming around. It hasn't hit my theaters yet, but I can't wait for it to to come here because I really want to see that. And then on the 14th, we had a great um, article that I actually reposted from somebody living with dementia. Her name is Truthful Loving Kindness. And um, her post was all about suggestions for better understanding audio communication despite someone's dementia symptoms. So uh, again, um, some some great resources there for people to have. Um, also want to give a shout out once again to the Purple Angel Project. Norm McNamara and Jane <clears throat> Jane uh, Moore are doing a fabulous job um, just getting the, the word spread and this new global symbol around the world on on a grassroots effort with no budget. It's pretty incredible what they've done. Uh, for more information in the US, where the US launch for that. You can go to Alzheimer Speaks and hit our About page. Um, if you are looking for um, an association anywhere in the world, go to Alzheimer's Disease International. There you will not only find um, their locations, but you'll get global updates. Uh, this fall, they just did a big research project on prevention and uh, there's a big report that you can download or read on that. Um, The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation will give you alternative modes such as um, exercise and diet and meditation, and then uh, don't forget the Lewy body and frontal temporal lobe associations if you're dealing with that specific type of dementia um, because it is different and can be challenging, and there you will find great resources for each of those. So Lewy body and the frontal temporal lobe each have their own national websites along with the National Aphasia Association, which is all about um, speech and how that can change. The Alzheimer's Music Connect, uh, we just played a sample of that CD, but they also have a a great package of a CD, uh, CDs with a DVD um, done with of Snow that's absolutely fabulous, along with several other types of, of music. Um, so check out Alzheimer's Music Connect. Not only um, would it be great for the holiday season, but year-round, it can really bring comfort and um uh, not only to those diagnosed uh but those caring for them and there is a patent pending technology they use that increases um a people's ability to engage which is fabulous and something we can all use. Again, healthstar Star Home, Home Health is located here in Minnesota. And if you're dealing with dementia, I would highly recommend them. Their staff are trained through the Alzheimer's Whisper Program and um, a very unique, dedicated company that I've been very impressed with. Um, and then again, Puzzle With Me and the Jiminy Wicket Program are are some things that you can utilize to um, engage people with and have fun. Harry, I'm going to go ahead and, and pull you in, into the show. I'm sorry I couldn't pull you in more. We had so many people. Um, but I thought well, I could get you during open mic on, on some of your thoughts about the conversation we had um, regarding the Seasons of Caring book. What were, what were your thoughts of, of, after hearing the panel?
5: What um, what I would like to get at, my message out to the clergy is, uh, as we walk down this path of dementia, we are getting closer to our God, who, whoever we believe in, and um, we lost we lost everything in our lives it seems, but the one thing that that we haven't lost is our faith, and. Um, it's so important that the church gets involved with with people living with dementia because of of this need that we have. Um, we we lost everything else, you know, and the only thing that we have to cling on is our faith, and we need help to cling on to that. That that's the message I I would like to get out to the clergy that we can work together and and we can we can start programs to make that happen.
1: Do you have anything in mind as far as programs'cause you you're you're just such a good out of the box thinker with that kind of stuff yeah um right now i'm i'm working on
5: i'm working on it's i don't think of it as a group I think of it as a movement and it's going to be called United against alzheimer's or United against dementia um now, what I would like to do with that group is um it's designed like like uh the candy strikers of yesterday It's volunteers that, that that the candy strikers volunteered to go into the hospital and um they they helped out in the hospital well i want i want to start volunteers. I want to get volunteers to go into nursing facilities to help out. And it's the same thing with the church. I want to go into the churches. I want to get them involved in um, in going around and especially on this holiday. It was so important that um, that they spend a little bit of time with, with the dementia patient and just reinfirm their faith. There's, there's mm-hmm. so many. There's so many things that I want to do in this group that uh, I don't want to call it a group because it's not going to be a chat group or anything like that. It's going to be more of a movement.
1: Okay, well that's wonderful. I think that that's an absolutely um, fantastic idea um, to be able to, <clears throat> to be able to do something like that. Our um, this is a little off topic but our our memory cafe um anyways our sponsors of it is Arthur's residential care and we meet at a coffee shop and they just told me yesterday that they are going to expand um giving us uh time and space and so right now we meet twice a month and on the you know 2 to 3 weeks depending on how how the the weeks fall um, they're going to just still reserve a room even though we won't have um a formal facilitator at this point on those dates but for our group to still be able to come in and gather because there's a need and I just I am just so appreciative of ACR. They are just uh, absolutely fabulous group in terms of allowing people um room and dignity and community and um you know it's it's so they, they have the space, um, but I can honestly tell you it is utilized. Um, but they just did this big addition, and even that is filled up when I go to the coffee shop, and they're going to close it off for us um, because they just really feel um, the importance of this mission um, to give people a, a safe place to go. And it would be wonderful if the churches could um, could really gravitate um to um being that safe space where people don't have to worry about what they're wearing or what they say or um, you know whatever it would it would be absolutely incredible to to see that see that change um now, Harry, I know that <clears throat> that you are going to be doing some things for christmas um and Christmas Eve um, with your community. um do you want to tell people? um about that is that something that's open to the public if they would if they would like to join you for your kind of holiday your your virtual holiday party online oh sure i I'd, I'd love
5: to uh, uh starting up on christmas Eve day uh hazel and I is going to be going into the um uh, uh there's the, uh, a a minor league baseball team here in Lancaster and at the ballpark um We're we're going to be volunteers for a food give-out, and um, I'm really excited about that. It's it's something that's needed, and I really want to be involved in that. And then in the evening, um, we're going to have a virtual Christmas Eve get-together. Anybody's Uh, invited. You don't don't have to be a member. It it doesn't matter. Uh, The goal of this is nobody should be alone on Christmas Eve. Now I, I started this up last year, and it it worked out so well. We had so many people from all over the world joining joining us. We had Venezuela, we had Australia, we had United Kingdom. So many people just came in, and and wished us all uh, a Merry Christmas, and maybe they left, and some some people came in and joined and spent hours there. Mm-hmm. And I want to do the same thing for New Year's Eve. I want to have a virtual New Year's Eve party, and uh-huh. for the same thing, it's a uh, it's a good way of getting together at the end of the year, starting out a new year, and uh, everybody gets a chance to to be with somebody like one big happy family, and that that's what we are.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that is so important. I know our our group. <clears throat> um, or the memory cafe, we're getting together to meet tomorrow, and, and it won't be as big because some people are going to be busy, but there's a lot of people that aren't, and um, you know, we need to be appreciative of that and and you know, give people the comfort uh, that they need, you know, with things. So, are you doing anything with, with family then yourself for the holidays? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that,
5: that once you know, once that's over, um. For personal family, then uh, we'll be spending that with on Christmas Day and, and things like that, all through the week. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have we visit back and forth. I, right? you know, we we try not to do it on one day. You know, so uh-huh. we kind of spread it out. We spread it out amongst the, the week uh, between Christmas and New Year's. But yeah, we it it's going to be a fun week. Now it, you have to realize that we have to be prepared for the letdown the down after the holidays. And that's coming uh-huh. that's coming within the next week or two. And mm-hmm. and why I say that is because after the holidays, um the the Christmas spirit seems to go away. And and for the dementia uh patient they they lose all that. You know uh-huh. and now we get back into the humdrum life of dementia. And mm-hmm. that's that's a big letdown that's coming up and w um, we have to find ways to to combat that and modify our lives so it doesn't drag us down.
1: Okay. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think everybody goes through that. And so realizing that just because someone has dementia doesn't mean that that's not going to affect them. Because I, I do think that most people go through that process Um You know that it's the hustle and the bustle and getting ready, and then it's a big kaboom, and then it's woofka. (laughs) You know, and you kind of slide down the hill. Um, Yeah, so I think that that's a very, a very, very good point. Um, Anything in particular that you are, um, uh, that you would recommend people do or don't do um, with someone with dementia over the holidays, Harry? We
5: we talked about this many times, and, and we talked about a lot of the do's and don'ts to go along with it. You know, like like avoiding crowds and noisy areas and things like that. Um, you you really have to be careful with that. But like I said, I think it's more important after the holidays. You know, we have to we have to stay engaged safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't just we can't just go back and and go back into a show. That's not good. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's, I mean, we're ramping up now for the holidays, and once we ramp up, we have that dip that we have to go down. And usually January is, January and February, February is the month that I try to stay the most active. That's when uh-huh. I try to do the most, both of the work I do, because um, I have to get over that that pine, you know, because it is it's it's a very lonely pine in those months for some reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Very, very true. Very true. Um so Harry, you know, this uh, this time of the year is, is always interesting for people. They you know they feel a little down and feel uh a little lonely sometimes. Um sometimes people are going through loss. Um I know for myself it's going to be very different without my mom here this year, and and without my puppy too. You know, I have two really big losses. Um, what do you say? Because I I know people with dementia are going through loss on multiple levels.
3: Um,
1: any any words of wisdom there? Well, as far as grief
5: goes, everybody um, everybody handles the grief differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to you have to find out what works for you. I do know you can't wallow in it. I mean you you have to you have to make efforts to to get your life back in order. Uh, I just wrote something about that the uh, the other day that um, about memories and uh-huh. uh, everybody everybody misses misses something at at Christmas time. And uh, with somebody with dementia, when when that memory goes, it goes. It's it's erased. It's not like I can keep thinking about that, you know. And uh-huh. and a lot of times, a lot of times we're we're viewed as being cold or indifferent because we just don't remember that.
1: Uh-huh. And
5: um, that, that's one thing that that I often said that. It's. Uh, I think it's easier to live in this disease than it is to caring for somebody with this disease. And
4: mm-hmm.
5: I honestly believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, now, you are also, Harry, able to be on social media much more so than than I am these days. What What is kind of the tone you're hearing from people? Um regarding dementia. Has oh.
5: it changed at all? Well yeah, it is it has changed. Now one of the things that uh that I'm I'm really really pushing at every, every place I go, every memory cafe I attend, and that is, is virtual video chats. I think it's mm-hmm. so important that that we we stay um we stay together socially. And especially for long distance caregivers, and the first thing i I hear from people saying is that um uh well, the person is too advanced, they can't do that and I say hogwash, you know as long as they can sit down in front of a monitor and look, they can have a conversation they don't they don't even have to speak. But if they, if they see their loved one that lives a thousand miles away, I mean, it's so, nine times out of ten they're going to touch the monitor. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to touch the person's face, you know, things like that. I've seen that so many times. And, and what I'm trying to do is get more people active in um, in video chats. Now, most people don't know anything about it. They say, well, yeah. I don't have a computer. I say, well, do you have an iPad or a tablet or a Kindle? Well, yeah. Well, guess what? You can do it. If you have a smartphone, you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's ways. You just have to learn how to do it. And it is so simple to do it that, um, you know, people don't realize. And, and the key of it is it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. That's that's what's most important. So, if somebody's a long-distance caregiver, they can visit with their loved ones several times a week if they have the time. You know, it's it's you know the the excuse. Well, I live a thousand miles away. You know, and and they can't talk on the phone or whatever. You know, well, video chat might be might be the answer for your problem.
4: Hmm.
1: Well, and I think that that's really um, something that is so underutilized and would be wonderful <clears throat> to see more more people be able to tap into and you know for me and I've I've told this story so some people have heard this before but you know when my mom died we used um FaceTime you know that's just on the phones and it was True. incredible it was absolutely incredible um how it how it changed uh, the death and dying process, you know. For us, I, I felt very included, but on day to day communications, <clears throat> people talk all the time about it's easier when they can see the person just hear than just hearing this voice through the telephone. And um, you know, again, very important and very simple and technology that that we have. So it's. <clears throat> it's important that we learn how to how to tap into this stuff and um you know and it, and it makes it, it allows us to be able to maintain our relationships so much um easier and brings us so much more comfort that uh it's it's kind of silly that we don't use it but you know i i am right there um
3: where i haven't used it either and
1: um and and I use technology all the time, and so you know it kind of makes me giggle that I was like, Well, you know, what are you talking about Laura you you're not using it either, um even though I use it in a day to day basis, um, we forget you know we just sometimes forget you know with stuff, and it's very, very critical and very important. Uh, for us to look at new ways to be able to reach each other and and stay connected, and um, the the video chats, the iPads, the the phones, all of that is very very important uh, for us to to be able to utilize. So, anything else, Harry, that you're interested in covering today, or I got
5: to say something for dementia chats.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, sounds good. Well, why don't well We'll invite everybody to join us on dementia chats, which will be at three o'clock um, Eastern time today. And we would love um, love for anyone to join that. I'll be um, getting something out on the blog here in a bit. I'm r- running a little bit behind, like the rest of the world with the mm. holidays here, <laughs> but I will get that out shortly for people to be able to see so um, well thank you so much for being part of the show Harry I always enjoy um, having having you with and hearing your voice and um, uh, it looks like everybody else must be out running around shopping because I'm not seeing any questions or comments and, and that's just fine um, I understand that and I appreciate that so we'll just wrap up the show today instead of trying to fill air for another half hour and let people get on with their their holiday festivities, and we will see everyone a little bit a, a little bit later. And if you've got time, um, you're more than welcome to join us. Um, Again, on Dementia Chats at 3 o'clock today. Um, Again, I'd like to say uh, a big uh, shout-out and thank you to um, Rabbi Steve Glazer, Dr. Daniel Potts, uh, Dr. Richard Morgan, and Linda Everman for being on the show with us for the first half discussing their new book, Seasons of Caring, I'm sorry, Seasons of Caring, Meditations for Alzheimer's and Dementia Caregivers, uh, which was put out by the Clergy Against Alzheimer's Network. It's a fabulous book. I just um, posted that on the website, and um, it's also I, I added a link on our
3: Memory Cafe
1: page so that people can have that there as well. Um, I cannot wish you each a happy enough, um, Christmas or holiday season, whatever it is you choose to celebrate. And I'm going to... Uh sign us off with playing Silent Night. Again, this is one of the songs from Alzheimer's Music Connect uh, on the CD called Memories, the Songs and Spirit of Christmas. You can also get this as a downloadable thing too, so don't worry about having to ship it out. Um, If you want some great holiday music, it's not too late, plus they have other great products. Again, happy holidays and we'll talk soon.